Hello, and welcome to the Equity Foundation podcast. The Equity Foundation is the professional development arm of Actors' Equity. Our mission is to assist, educate, and inspire performers. To find out more, visit www.equityfoundation.org.au. Jeannie, welcome. Thank you, Alan. You have been... uh working incredibly hard today with 16 people. How was the day? Did you oh, just... it was awesome. I had yeah. a, a great group. Really, really, really great group. We had a good time. Any Hemsworths or Robbies in there? Oh, all of them. <laughs> all of them. Stars. Stars. Each and every one. Fantastic. Can I talk to you about your path to being a casting director? Because I'd, I'd like to imagine that a lot of casting directors are vastly different from each other. You started in theatre and then moved to film and into TV, which means I assume you've had to really sort of adjust your approaches and the way in which you look to cast and so forth. Uh, A little bit, yes. I mean, I uh, actually started out as an actor uh, ever so briefly and then realised that lifestyle was not going to work for me. Um, But really, I I found my way into casting, um, having done some acting, and I met a wonderful casting director in New York uh, named Daniel Swee who at the time was at a off-Broadway theater called Playwrights Horizons. And I came to New York, and I knew nothing about the business side of, of acting. And uh, so he suggested doing a casting internship where I could sort of learn how the other half works uh, and then go back to acting sort of with that knowledge, sort of demystifying kind of a, a, the sort of business side of things. And I fell in love with casting, and, and so... Um, Starting in theater, yeah, I, I was in theater uh, in New York for about probably three, four years. Um, but while I was in New York, I started working on some television. I worked in uh, primetime casting at ABC uh, at the time with a woman named Alexa Fogel. Uh, and I would say she and Daniel Sweet are my two mentors. Uh, Alexa has gone on to cast uh, The Wire, True Detective, Atlanta, every great television show that's out there. So I feel very fortunate to have learned from her. But So I did have a, the opportunity to do some television while I was still in New York before I moved to L.A. Yeah. How, much, how much of what you do is uh, literally a skill that's been developed over time working with other people? Uh, and how much of it is, is your instinct, your innate ability to understand performance and casting? I think certainly starting as an actor has really helped me as a casting director, just understanding the language of of how to work with actors, how to give adjustments in in language that they understand um, that hopefully isn't always sort of result-oriented, but sort of a a process. Um, And I uh, I, certainly everybody I've worked with, I've I've taken what I can from them, and uh, but I think so much of it is is personal taste. Mm. Um, and being able to sort of see something in somebody that may not be immediately apparent. But, mm-hmm. And because I come from theater, I, really training to me and, and actors who sort of come from that world is, is always where I'm drawn. Sure, sure. And I imagine that having an acting background as well, you'd be fairly careful about maintaining the rights of environment for performers in that sense. And what, what, what atmosphere do you like to create in a cast? I, I try so hard to make it as uh, conducive to doing best work as possible. I, I, uh, I hear stories, nightmare stories from actors all the time about, you know, rooms that are just, you know, cold and noisy outside and uh, you know terrible readers and um, you know getting one chance to you know do the scene and you know no adjustment no no redirection and 
I, you know, I'm also married to an actor, so I have <laughs> greater empathy um, <laughs> by choice and by force. Um, but uh, I, I, I it, it's it's such a fake environment. It's such a a brutal way to try and get a job um, that I try to. I just think I, I don't understand I, uh, casting directors who don't work this way, but they there are some. But to just make it as warm and inviting and safe as possible for the actors. Because at, at, the, at the most selfish level, it's going to get my job done sooner. But on a sort of more human level, you know, why not make it the best possible environment uh, for actors to, to do the thing that they do and to, to feel like they can be vulnerable, that they can try things that they, you know, in a, in a safe and um, supportive environment. Sure. Well, you must come across a lot of performers that are uh, nervous or a little oh, intimidated yes. in the process. Do you, do you have techniques to, to design? I kick them out of the room. <laughs> yeah, I have no, no tolerance for that. Um, yeah, I, a lot of times I'll, I'll talk with an actor. You know, I, I find sort of just even chatting um, in the room a little bit to start can sort of help people kind of relax. Mm. Um, some people don't like that, you know, people sort of come in and they've prepared and, you know, I've, I've, I've made that mistake, you know, and mm -hmm. <laughs> like, oh, right, they're not. Um, and then usually we'll sort of chat afterwards. But um, I, you know, I really do try my best to, to get people to relax and feel like they can do what they need to do and, and give people an opportunity to do it a couple of times. Yeah. You know, that's what you do in television, you know, it's not one take. You know, you're not doing theater. Yeah. Um, you know, there for a long time uh, in in television, when you were testing, when you made it to the final round at, at uh, the network to get a series regular job, your network test was done live in a room with you know a bunch of executives in suits staring at you, um, and you got you know one opportunity to do the scene and then you left, and mm. and it never made sense to me because I'm like we're not casting theater like why are we doing this live mm -hmm. so they not that I was the one who made the decision but mm -hmm. they've now you know now they do screen tests for these you know series regular roles which makes sense because you're looking at the person actually on film which is how you're going to be looking at them when they actually do the job mm -hmm. and they get the opportunity to do several takes before mm -hmm. you know the final uh, version is, is shown mm -hmm. so it's the way it should be, but so I try to do that in my room too. Because um, you work with sixteen people today, uh, very intensively, and I had a, I wasn't there, I couldn't be there, but I did have a spy in the room uh -oh. who uh, sung your praises to the absolute highest, and one of the big hallmarks. I paid that person. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh no, she's she's uh, she can't be bored. Um, the, uh, one of the hallmarks you said of your work was the direction that you and, and the redirection you brought into the work, um, which uh, I imagine in casting that uh, an actor's ability to, to take direction and alter their performance, sometimes very quickly, mm -hmm. is a major factor in casting. It is, and, and especially in uh, episodic television, um, which I've done quite a lot of, uh, you know, series television. You know, as a guest actor, even if you have, you know, the biggest guest role in that particular episode, you're looking at maybe, you know, 20 minutes of actual screen time. Mm -hmm. And so often, you know, there in and 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 then it just, you know, narrows down from there down to, you know, the the co-star who has one or two lines. And, you know, they need to know that you can deliver, you know, when when you need to. Mm -hmm. Um that as the, you know, guest actor or the co-star 
you're, you know, you may get one or two takes, maybe three takes, but you know, that's it. And so they need to know that you're going to be able to, you know, land that performance when you need to um, on the day. And uh, so, you know, my ability to sort of get as specific with pos uh, as possible with people mm -hmm. and to know that they're going to be able to, you know, deliver that performance that that director or whatever is going to need. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the uh, ability to take direction that I think is you know very important and but for me it's also a lot of times I'm looking at actors beyond the role that I'm casting uh, and, and it's so it's not you know a lot of times I give direction to actors and it's it's not even about that particular role anymore but I'm just curious to see what they can do as an actor because I'm thinking you know bigger picture, bigger picture and, and yeah. other roles that I have coming on well it's one of the best pieces of advice I was ever given is it treats treats uh, Every audition is though it's in multiple rooms. Yeah, but, or, or uh, yeah. My, my saying is, you're there to win the room, not the role. Right. These uh, people do remember you. Yeah, I mean that's 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 all you can control. You can't control whether or not you get the job. There's so many factors that come into play that have nothing to do with the work that you've done. Mm. I mean, it's about your physicality, your age, you know, all those things. And so, all that you can do as the actor is do the best work that you can do to be as prepared as you can be coming into that room and do the best work that you can do and you know hope that 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 it's you're remembered for other things and it's not just about that part well let, let's go to this place because for the actor the worst thing is you you know you miss out on an audition and you're sitting there thinking i don't know why i don't know what i've done could i have done it better etc etc et but there are so many factors aren't there in casting what, what's what what is the exact relationship between only on a big series, for instance, like a Nashville or something mm -hmm. like that, between you, directors, producers, networks, and so forth. I mean, where does it, where, where does that process start and end? Ah, that's a very good question. I mean, it, you know, uh, the 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 best relationships I've had, you know, when, if you're lucky enough to continue to work with the same producers, and you, and I have been fortunate um, in in a lot of areas uh, that way, but. Um, you know, because then you develop a shorthand and, you know, you, you tend to work with people, like-minded people, who, you know, who have similar tastes. Um, but, you know, it, it's, we were talking about this earlier today, you know, there's, uh, I think as a casting director, there's a fine line. You have to sort of know what battles to fight. Mm. Um, but I have no problem sharing my opinion and if producers don't like that then they don't hire me again and producers who do do um, but that you know I'm there to be the the advocate you know I, I mean I'm the I'm the middle ground yeah. you know I'm I'm the advocate for the actor you know and I can say look that that was not their best read today you know that my job is to say I know that actor well here's four other things that you can look at or here's six other things I've seen in him trust me they can do this work, you know, give them another shot. But I also have a responsibility to the studio, to the network, to my producers, you know, to give them what they want too. So, you know, you're, you're, you have to sort of find that, that line, that dance. Mm -hmm. But um, now that I've been working in cable and streaming more, I think that's more my vibe and I seem to sort of be a little bit more on the same page with, with uh, the, the studio and network than... Mm -hmm. Um, network television in, in uh, America, which is a little more uh, about selling soap, <laughs> uh, you know, about, the, about appealing to the advertisers and the sort of, you know, middle ground. Yeah. Um, I, I, my, my experiences so far in, in cable streaming have been much more sort of in, in my 
come from my sort of theater background and, mm. and about just finding great talents. And also um, the studio and the network tend to be much less hands-on mm -hmm. in, in cable and streaming than they are in, in network TV. And I, I think some of that is, a, is, is the tie that they have to advertisers and, and, and the people they have to make happy that way. Mm. But I think there's also now, you know, because cable and, and streaming has become so popular and that's what's winning the awards in American television, I, I think there's this sort of slight panic mm. going on with mainstream, you know, network TV. And so as a result, they're becoming even more sort of hands-on and people feeling like they have to justify their job mm. even more. So there's even more cooks in the kitchen and that just ends up sort of, you end up with kind of a... Blomage. Yeah, beige. Yeah, yeah, yeah. beige. Um, but it would it be fair to say the process, in a sense, starts with you. You're the person who, who begins the research, begins the looking, begins the testing. Yes. It, yeah. Uh, the way it works is, is you know, I'll get the script, and then I, you know, sit down with the writer and the director and uh, other producers, and we talk through all the roles and and. Sometimes they have prototypes that they use, or I'll throw out prototypes, and and we try to sort of you know, come up with a character description and an idea for, for the character. And then my job is to stretch that, I think, as far as possible, you know, within that definition mm. and to bring them choices that fall, you know, anywhere within that, that range. Mm. Um, Which is a massively creative endeavor. It, um, it, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it, for me to get to be able to sort of interpret you know, my job is to sort of interpret what the writer and the director sort of have in mind and, mm. and you know, find people that sort of sprinkle in, you know, who, who may not be everything. Mm. Um, the other thing that's super fun is to just bring in somebody who's so not what they had in mind and just throw it in there yeah. and sort of see what happens. Sometimes it works, sometimes it falls terribly flat. <laughs> <laughs> you awesome. know, and I, I, I take full responsibility for it, but... Yeah. Well, you, you've had a stellar career in, in, in all the mediums, really. Um, and uh, Still hoping for football, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the, uh, one of my favourite shows, of course, was uh, Ali McBeal, which is David E. Kelly, the genius, who's created so many wonderful, wonderful shows, Boston Legal being perhaps the biggest for me. Uh, but on the, on the other hand, you also worked with British social realist director Ken Loach um, uh, on, on his one of his films, which is the... Uh, I uh, haven't got the name of it with me, but um, that must have been an extraordinary adaptation is there in that, in the sense that you're working with two directors who approach the work in vastly different ways, or two producers of, of really Yeah, yeah those are definitely, I mean, it's particularly that show of, of, of David Kelly's, which was, you know, very sort of heightened and, um, you know, dramedy, comedy, um, and Ken, who's, you know, so grounded and real. Mm. I, I, my, my work with Ken really was just um, finding some, uh, they were looking for American role in, in the couple projects that oh, I worked yeah. with him. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's, you know, so many of the people in his films are actual, you know, they're not actors, they're, yeah, they're real yeah. people, so um, vastly, vastly different. Mm. Um, have you been in that situation where you've been asked to go out and source actuals, if you like? Uh, or, 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 I, I, I have, not, I haven't done too, too, too much of that, but I, but I have. Um, I recently was asked to try and find... Um, uh, Nicaraguan, a young Nicaraguan boy, skateboarder, ah. 
Um, so I was hanging out in skateboard parks in Los Angeles, not standing out in any way. Yeah. Not, not at all weird, not at all strange, <laughs> hello. didn't feel creepy at all. Um, hello, and, um, hello, hello police. Yeah, exactly. And there was one park that, uh, in a somewhat a tr- tricky part of town. Um, where you had to like actually crawl through a, a hole in the fence, and I was like, I, this, I drew the line there. Yeah. I was like, this is, I may also be arrested for trespassing, yeah. in addition to you know, creeping yeah. on children. So that's where I drew the well, line. Well, of course, one of, one of the actors you have cast in the past, Simon Baker, um, uh, the Australian actor who's just done Breath, of course, a uh, wonderful film, a uh, wonderful book, and uh, he had to cast two young lads in, uh, as surfers who mm-hmm. had no, no experience. and. Uh, it's it's it is fun. I mean, kids are always you know. I mean, it, it, uh, those are always fun to, to try and find. Mm. Um, you have to go through you know a lot, um, but, but when you find it, it's it's mm. pretty spectacular. Yeah. yeah. In amongst all these wonderful credits, do you have a uh, your, your highlights if you like? What was your pet project? The, uh, the I, I will show? say um, the show Manhattan that I think my mother and two other people saw. Um, was uh, very near and dear to me. It was uh, about the b- building of the atomic bomb um, in the uh, 1950s in, in America, uh, and it was on a, a, a small network that was not not everybody had access to. So, um, but it was a really, really beautiful piece, and uh, I was so proud of the cast that we had. Um, and I would probably put uh, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel up there. And then Nashville was just so fun because that was about finding you know, people who actually sang and played and, mm. and had to act. And so that, that was a fun challenge. Yeah, yeah. another Aussie yeah. in Nashville as well, of yes, course. Yes. Claire Bowen, wonderful Claire Bowen, uh, another one of your <laughs> alumni. Uh, could let's talk a little bit about some realities in casting. Uh, there's been some, some uh, lamentation and commentary about the fact that uh, there seems to be a, a movement to a, a degree of very high-profile female, well, some females, says I think it was Chloe Sevigny said this, uh, moving from film and taking leading roles in TV. And so have you, have you could you bear that out? Do you, think, do you see that? It, it, for females or just in general? Well, they could be in general. It was actually a female actress. Uh, I mean, there's there so many more movie people doing television mm. now than ever. I mean, they're, they're, you know, when I, back in the day when I first started, shortly after talkies, um, <laughs> they, uh, you know, they, there was such a division between television, you know, if you were a film actor, you, you know, you didn't do television. Mm. I mean, there really was such a division. And, and once you became a film actor, you know, you, if you had started in television, you, you know, you didn't go back, you would maybe do, you know, some theater, highbrow theater. But... Um, you know, I think now really it's it's with the sort of advent of, of cable and streaming, and some of that is because it's a shorter season in, in network TV in America. It's 22 episodes. Mm-hmm. In cable and streaming, it's anywhere from you know six to 13. So if you're a movie actor, you know you you go and do that, and you still have time to do you know one or two other features. So I think that that was part of the draw, and then I think just the quality of writing mm-hmm. in cable TV and, and streaming, you know, just was, there were so many film writers, I think, you know, moving into that medium mm-hmm. and, and the quality of writing. And I think then the opportunity to actually, you know, play a char- you know, play a character over a period of time, you know, I think it, for an actor going film to film is great, you know, but, but to get to sit with a character, you know, over 10 episodes, 12 episodes, and really sort of arc out a character, I think, you know, became appealing to a lot of film people. But I mean, it's, crazy now than mm. the 
film people who are doing TV. I, no. I just had to do a list for a, a project that may or may not go. But you know, there I put names on that list that you know even a year ago I would have never included. But now I'm like. Brie Larson? Yeah, maybe she will. I mean, you know, yeah. Reese Witherspoon is doing TV. You know, um, Julia Roberts is doing an Amazon. I mean, it, you know, it's it's insane. Well, so. big, big Little Eyes, I mean, what yeah. a classic example. Yeah. Star-studded film cast. But it must be... It's, it's, yeah, you know, I think there's something wonderful about it and something, you know, I think it, for the... Uh, the you know actor with the you know good steady who's made a career you know mm. uh, living as an actor it's harder than it used to be yeah, holding know. off those lead roles uh, it, Michael Douglas was in interviewed in 2015 by by uh, the Independent he uh, lamented that there was an advent ad social media that caused a crisis in the American film industry that was allowing well-trained British and masculine Australian actors to slide in and take coveted <laughs> roles. Um, Wait, the, social, how is that tied to social media? Well, there, there's, I, some people talk about the notion that um, actors have become a, a brand. Mm. Uh, the more following you have, the more attraction you have for networks and for advertisers, etc., etc. so that actors are actually gaining uh, entree into casting that they may not have got uh, otherwise, because of their high profile. Uh, well, I, yeah. I mean, m maybe. Um, I mean, I do know there are like you know actors who've gotten development deals off of you know vines or you know YouTube or Funny or Die. I mean, there's certainly uh, people who are being discovered that way. I'd say probably you know a little more in comedy mm -hmm. um, or you know young people uh, with big um, social media followings. Uh, how successful some of those people have gone on to be, you know, I think still remains to be seen. Mm. For me, I think that, you know, the British, and people ask me this all the time, I, I think it's the British and Australian fascination in in the entertainment business in America is about training. I, I mean, you know, that, that actors who come from those two places are actually trained actors, where I think in America there's so many you know, young people especially are told, wow, you should be in the movies, you mm. should, you know, you have a, you're pretty, you're handsome, you know, go, go be, and, and they haven't trained. Mm. And so I think that's really so much of the appeal. Yeah. It, and it shows, you know, when people come in and audition, I mean, the difference between people who've trained and really take it seriously and people who've, you know, are just, again, a pretty, you know, pretty mm. face. Well, well, let's move here because we've got a room full of mostly Australians, I think. Um, who uh, have shared probably some interest in the, in, uh, in the United States uh, and working there. And, and why wouldn't you? I've just actually received today my SAG producer's pension plan uh, statement for the year. <laughs> and, uh, you're, you're retiring, for sure. <laughs> well, my uh, total earnings from residuals were $7.07. <laughs> American? Oh, yes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I actually have a number of... Uh, I have a number of residual checks sitting in a drawer at home from many years back that is so, too small to cash. Uh, the bank yeah, actually the, the bank, the bank yeah. fee would exceed the there's a There's a bar in Los Angeles that um, if you bring in your residual check and it's under a certain amount of money, they give you a free drink. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I need the name of that bar. <laughs> but you've, had, you've been involved in the casting of many, many Australians. I mean, a few I have here, Melissa George, Rachel Griffiths, Don Handy, Claire Bowen we talked about, Thomas Wright and Ash Zuckerman, Simon Baker, and, and uh, you've brought in a list of so many people. Yes, so many. <laughs> but uh, it, it is quite extraordinary, and um, you you know you can't turn on 
on television now without seeing Australian performers. Which Please, is, I hear from my husband Paul all the time. Yes. I'll be like, oh, we you know cast the role today. He goes, let me tell you, let me ask, British or Australian? Uh-huh. British or Australian? Interesting, um, because, yeah, because I mean, almost every country does have um, some sort of you know protections for their local performers, and it'd be interesting to see if the, the United States actors eventually turn up. Saying, yeah, they, there may be some yeah. some backlash at some point. But uh, it, it it is intriguing as to what um, makes Australians uh, uh, desirable, if you like. I know I read a Daily Telegraph article with some some of the associate director of WAPA, one of the, the schools here, and uh, and, uh, and one of his colleagues was just talking about that they felt it was because, um, and this has come from the United States as well, that Australian actors have a, an openness and a high level of skill and craft. What are some of the attributes you find in, in Australian performers that makes them sit out and stand out? I, I think that is it. I think, you know, again, going back to the training um, element of it, but I, I think for a lot of American actors, you know, who have not trained or trained, you know, to the extent that Australians and, and some Brits have, there's so there's um, an underlying insecurity there and a self-awareness that you know these are people who've, who've made it to a certain point or have gotten to a certain point based on their look mm. but there really isn't you know sort of anything kind of under there supporting it so I think there's a, a, a too much of a self-awareness and a self-consciousness and opposing you know that happens um, and then a, 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 a sort of safe performance because again they don't want to quite be found out or they really don't quite know how to approach you know a part so they're sort of playing that kind of middle of the road approach whereas you know I, I think with the Australian actors there just is a, a, a I think there's just a realness to them as people um, and uh, and a, a lack of um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for um, just all, all, in, in the sense that they, 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 there's like a pretentiousness about Pretentiousness it. And, mm. and, yeah, just, just a realness and a, a groundedness mm. um, that, that I think is, is appealing and mm. uh, a ruggedness and a groundedness that, mm. yeah, that I think, you know, is sometimes missing in mm. American actors. Well, one American commentator said that they like, they, they, they like the fact that Australians have a good sense of humour and they're willing to take the piss. <laughs> and that's something refreshing there as well. Um, so uh, bear that in mind. Um, the, uh, but I think lack of pretension absolutely is a, mm. is a big part of it. Being down to earth and just yeah, 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 who you are. Yeah. Um, and the, the accent is adorable. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, since yeah. I asked you, I, I was going to talk to you a little bit just about, um, about you know, auditioning and so forth. Before I get there, um, Equity's traditional advice has been, which has come from casting actors, Stay in Australia, build your credits up to a certain point, which will make getting a visa easier, uh, and then with your agents, you know, using your agent, move over to the United States, set up meetings, etc., and get going that way. But there has been a bit of a drift, hasn't there, in some of the younger performers coming straight out of school here and going over and, and being very successful. Mm-hmm. Um, what's, what's your sort of vibe on that? Is there? Uh, you know, I wish there was like some magic answer as to you know what, what's going to uh, be your uh, answer to success, but um, yeah, I, I think you just it, it, it's it's such a completely um, personal decision to make. I you know there's there's no magic answer. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you just have to know who you are and what you're prepared to do. Uh, I you know I think it works both ways. I think 
you know, I, 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 I think it's probably a good idea to sort of build up your resume a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think also LA is a hard place. Uh, it's it's big, it's spread out, it can be very isolating, it's a one industry town for the most part. So I think, you know, to sort of come there as a young person uh, without sort of living, you know, enough of your life and, and really knowing who you are, I think can be hard mm. and um, potentially damaging. Mm. Uh, so, you know, I think if you have a strong sense of who you are and you absolutely want to do this and you know and now it seems like you know every other person is Australian over there you know and you, you probably know other people if you have a community that support um, I think is really important because it's, it's a very different world mm. it's a very very and it's just a huge industry over there yeah well we, all, you hear, we hear so much about the difficulty in getting visas uh, O1s or whatever or green cards um, so if you're you know, in a casting situation, you come across, you have someone walk into the room, they say, what's your, what's your resume? They say, well, I don't have any, I'm straight out of school. Do, do, does that cause a problem for you in a sense of saying, well... No, I think, uh, you know, again, I, I, um, if, you're, if, you're, if you're right for the role, you're right for the role. I, you know, there is a cutoff. Um, generally, they, you know, the studios want four, at least four weeks. Uh, to get a visa and you know and there's no guarantee you know again depending on your resume and what you you know what mm. you can put together um, to prove you know that you are an alien of exceptional ability That's I right. believe yeah. is yeah. <laughs> um, yeah I saw one of the film uh, ones, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know you do have to you know have uh, reviews and things you know to be able to prove that you you really are, are right for this role and then someone who's already in the United States um, so, you know, there, there have been times when we've fallen in love with somebody and there just isn't the time to get the visa and uh, we've had to, you know, recast or, you know, you've had to have that kind of backup person ready to go if the visa doesn't come through. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, but going back to, to sort of the earlier question, I, you know, I do think now with this, you know, with the technology, you know, the, the need to sort of be in L.A. is not the same as it used to be. I mean, uh, you know, it's, it's true across the United States and it's, you know, certainly true. I mean, the, the accessibility to actors in other areas now, you know, when I was working at ABC Casting in New York, you know, we would have to put actors on tape and then you'd have to transfer it on a VHS and then you had to be finished by 4 p.m. in order to FedEx it out to be out there the next day. And, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, now it's 10 minutes later, you know, mm-hmm. you, you've got it on your computer. So, you know, I think this idea that you have to be in LA in order to to make it as an actor or, you know, really be seen or considered has is, is really changed. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I, I think is there's so many other places where, where there's so much production happening that, you know, Atlanta, Georgia, um, and New Mexico, and, you know, certainly New York, Chicago, you know, you, you can go and go be the, you know, big fish in the little pond and you can build your resume up there too. You don't have to do it in Los Angeles. I mean, that's, the advice I give a lot of young people, certainly in the states already, is you know don't feel you have to be in LA in order mm. to you know launch or have a career even. Sure, uh, but in terms of LA, a lot of people have interest in pilot season. Um, maybe we could talk about that, but overlap it into the audition process, the mm-hmm. casting room. I mean, 
in, in pilot season, uh, reputedly, you, you may have many auditions in a week, uh, sometimes in a day. Um, you can't possibly learn them all, whereas here, the expectation is you'll learn your scenes. And I'm intrigued about doing an audition off the, off, you know, on the book, if you like, and how that, how that works and how difficult is it for you to see past the fact that the actor is having to take the line off the page? Uh, you know, I, I, my feeling is, you know, you want to be as familiar as possible with the scene. Um, I, I don't have an expectation, and I don't think most people in LA have an expectation that you be absolutely memorized, especially during pilot season, and as, you know, if, uh, as a young person, you're often going out a lot, and so, um, but, you know, my suggestion is, is to be, you know, is, is almost to sort of, if you uh, break it down into sort of beats in the scene so that you can sort of play through, you know, you're as familiar as you can kind of with that block so that when you have to sort of look down at your page, you know, you sort of play through whatever that beat is. So if there's a slight pause or whatever, you're looking mm. down, it's, you know, less jarring. Um, but, you know, certainly having uh, the sides in your hand is more than acceptable. Mm. Um, I think the other thing is it's important to advocate for yourself to say to your agent, I can't do this many mm. auditions in this day. Please find out, you know, what's the priority? You know, are they testing for this role tomorrow? And, but they're not testing for these other two until next week. So can you please, you know, push my appointments? You, you know, you, I, I think it's hard as an actor, you feel so lucky to get an appointment and you feel so beholden and, you know, but you have to remember your agent and your manager are working for you. You don't work for them, they work for you. So, you know, don't be afraid to say, I, I can't do all of this. And, and I think that the danger again, also for young people is, you know, you want to take advantage of every opportunity, but if you're going to only be able to do a, you know, a half-ass job at it, what, mm. what's the point? You know, you don't want that to be your introduction to that casting person, mm. you know, mm. so, so, you know, if you have to decide between three, pick the one that's most interesting to you that you feel most connected to and, you know, put your energies into that. Mm. But, you know, the other thing that's hard about L.A. and pilot season that I think actors coming from Australia, you know, the, the, the amount of time it takes to drive from audition to audition. I mean, you're, you, to, you really, it's hard, you're hard pressed to get to more than two in, depending on where they are mm. in LA, because it can take you, you know, almost two hours in traffic to get from one place to the other, so. Mm. Um, but you know, you see people, they've got, you know, during pilot season, just piles of clothes in their car, you know, because they <laughs> change from one thing to the other, you know, in between, and they, you know. They got their standards in there they can slip into. But, you know, I, you have to advocate for yourself and know what you're capable of doing. Mm. So the casting room itself, in general, as well as at, at this time of the year, when, when, when performers walk into a room, what, what do you like to see? What do you like to see come through the door? Uh, prepared. Uh, it really, you'd be shocked by the number of people who come in who really haven't spent time on the material, people who haven't read through the script. Um, the, you know, uh, really just uh, not having done their homework. Mm. And so, you know, I'm more than willing to, you know, meet them halfway, three quarters of the way, you know, if they've put the effort in, but if someone hasn't sort of done their work, why, why should I have to, you know, do my work plus their work? Mm. So, um, you know, strong decisions, um, clear decisions, you know, bold choices. Uh, I'd rather, you know, a strong choice that's wrong than sort of a, soft, middle-of-the-road <coughs> non-choice, you know, mm -hmm. in, in the audition. Um, 
you know, I think you have to learn how to read the room. You know, there are some rooms where producers want to chat with you and things beforehand and rooms that they just want you to, you know, get down to business. Mm -hmm. um, I've seen people lose a job before they've even started the audition because they've been too chatty or they got their whole spiel yeah. that they like to do <laughs> and, and tell a couple jokes and, mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, they're not reading the room. The producers are not interested in that. Mm -hmm. So they've lost the job before they've even started and then I've seen people lose a job before they've left the room because they don't know how to sort of leave gracefully. They, you know, hang around or they're like, is that what you wanted? Or yeah, is I gonna yeah, do it again? Yeah. I wasn't really sure that was, you know, and it's like, you know, yeah. trust yourself. And We have had some feedback from casting agents before saying that sometimes Aussies can be a little bit apologetic in casting. Um, oh, maybe I don't not, know not that that. So there's probably, what I'm saying is that there's presumably a, a, a level of confidence that doesn't uh, fall into cockiness or... Yes, yeah, you're just sort of finding that, that right line. But yeah, I think the other thing that's important is that that's your time. Know that that's your time in the room. Know that we want you to be good, despite whatever the weird energy you may be getting. Um, deep down, we want you to be good. And, you know, but make the most of, of that time in your room. That's your opportunity. And... Have fun. Like, uh, who else gets to do what you do for a living? Like, you get to spend, you know, uh, however many hours preparing, and then, you know, to come in and play this character, you know, mm. that, that you may or may not book, but for, you know, 20 minutes or whatever, you're that character. I mean, how cool is that? Yeah. You know, so I think that's the other thing, you know, to, that I love to just see is people who are excited to be there and. Mm. Um, yeah, the, the the sort of apologizing thing is a real turnoff, I, yeah. I think. You know, or, or making excuses. Yes. Um, it's it, you know, it, it just is. Yeah, when Australian actor Tom Burlinson, way back man from Snowy River, when he went to the states, um, he he spoke back here about that experience. He, and for the he said the second he got off the plane, uh, he used an American accent. He never used an Australian right. accent. Uh, I think that I suspect that's changed. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're an Aussie. You walk into a an, into an audition. You you walk in with your Australian accent, and then and then switch to. Yeah, I, we were talking about this earlier too. You know, I think it's personally whatever works for you. You know, if you if you sort of feel like you need to kind of be an American, if you're playing American in the scene, and you need to sort of do that to kind of really be prepared to walk in and in the right headspace and all of that. Um, I think that's fine. I think there was a period of time that that you wanted. You didn't want to do your own accent because you were afraid that they were like listening for mm -hmm. it. But now, you know, every other person is, you know, British or Australian, so producers are much more used to it and, yeah. and trust that. They, uh, but Australians can do. I find Australians can do American better than the British. A lot of British, I find, flatten out mm. when they do um, American, but Australians just seem to do it so much easier and, and fluidly, mm -hmm. and and still, you know, maintain. All that characteristics, you know. It'd be all those wonderful equity foundation accent type classes that you hopefully had the opportunity. Yeah, I have to say to I was blown away by the American accents today. Well, yeah, they yeah. were excellent, excellent. Yeah. There's, there's certainly a lot of work put into uh, accent work now in in um, in schools and so forth, and and, and workshops uh, and the, and the like. So I guess what you're saying is that because there was a time I, know, I remember a time where you were warned, don't yeah, let don't, them don't. hear, yeah, exactly, because they can't they get their ear past. Yes, them. yes, yeah, yeah. No, they, yeah, they would if they heard even anything that was slightly off. You know, they'd be like, oh no, we can't, you know, we yeah. can't hire them. But now again, it's 
Um, I mean, I think it's still kind of fun to come in American and then just, you know, launch into it after the scene. And because people still are pretty amazed. Yeah. Like, they're like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, we've got some music theatre performers in the, in the audience as well. Uh, the, the concern sometimes they express is how do they get in front of people and in casting? Because their, their, if you like, straight drama resume might be a little bit weak because their experience is, is in music theatre. Do you, do you think there's any impediment in there? I don't think so. I mean, I, you know, I think training is training. Um, I, you know, I, uh, I think that the harder is just theater period um, versus, you know, film and television in terms of a, a presentational factor mm. um, and just sort of, you know, learning how to sort of um, maybe, you know, make bring in it, make it a little smaller, a little more film-like and not sort of playing to the back of the house. Mm. But um, again, I think you know, there used to be, you know, you were this, you were that, you know, you were a film person, you were a, a theater person, you were a musical theater person. And I, I just think, first of all, there's just so much more product out there. There's so many more platforms and, and that's all, that's mm. all sort of meshed. Mm. Uh, if you're working in a casting with the directors there, uh, I mean, some, some, actors, some actors will have come to a, a conclusion, if you like, about what choices they think is uh, right. Um, is, is that wise to discuss that with, with the director or just take direction as it comes? Say that, oh, so well, in the sense that you might walk into a casting and sort of go, um, uh, you know, my feeling about this... Oh, the actor. Yeah, this the feel, my feeling about this scene is blah, blah, blah. You know, this is what, uh, you know, this is where I, how I see it fitting, etc., etc. Uh, and pl- playing it that way... Uh, or would you prefer, would the directors just prefer that the actor gives them what they what they think and then take direction? Yeah, I, I think it's best to just have major choice and make it clear, you know, and strong and clear for yourself and play that, um, you know, rather than sort of come in and say, well, I, this is what I came up with, you know. Yeah. Um, it's like, well, yeah, that's why you came. That's why you're here. Yeah, you yeah. Came up, I hope you came up with something. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, you know, and then let them adjust you from there. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we, we do get a lot of people come in and say, um, so, you know, I'll say, you know, any questions? And they'll say, well, you know, so what, 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 you know, what are you missing? Or, you know, what have you not been able to What's find? What's my backstory? Yeah, or, or just if, that if they know we've been reading people for a while, and so they say, you know, what, what have you not been able to find? You know, mm-hmm. what is it that people are not doing? And, yeah, I mean, there's, it's, it's a fair question to ask, but I, I really am, much more of the mind that you know come in come in and make the choices and mm-hmm. it, like I said you know a lot of times I'll work with people even though they're not right because I'm curious about the, you know if, if they've come in and they've done the work you know it's so appealing I you know I can't help but sort of mm-hmm. want to see what else they can do and I work with um, uh, a director producer Tommy Schlamy who's you know famous for having done the West Wing but he's phenomenal and he loves actors and he so appreciates actors when they've put in the work that he, you know, will work with, gives them adjustments and he really works with them and spends a lot of time, like, you know, I had to start, like, spreading out the audition slots, you know, to allow for the amount of time he was working with actors. But, like, nine out of ten times the agent calls and said, so, my client booked that job, right? Tommy spent so much time with them. And I'm like, right? He does that with everybody. (laughs) He doesn't necessarily mean they got the job. But he's he's so, he's so... um, uh, appreciative and and um, uh, of the work that the actor has put in, that that he mm-hmm. feels it's only right to sort of 
give them the opportunity mm. to work. Talk about agents calling you. Are, are you pestered or asked for feedback all the time out of audition? No, you know, I get it. I, I totally get it again being married to an actor. So I, you know, I try to give feedback whenever possible. The thing that makes me crazy is when people have agents and managers and I've taken the time to tell the agent, you know, very specific feedback and then the manager calls two hours later and wants feedback and I'm like, I can, yeah, exactly. Um, can you guys get this together? Um, but you know, and and I understand it's it's very helpful, you know, for the actor. So I I try to and I try to always sort of find the positive in it, mm. um, unless someone's been has crossed a line or you know been mm. uh, um, inappropriate. Mm. Um, but uh, you know, but sometimes it just you know there isn't even that specific a thing to say. Again, we were talking about this earlier today, like. Sometimes you're just not it, and that's just such a horrible, I'm sure, as an actor to hear, you know, well, could I get something a little bit more specific than that? But, you know, they came in, they gave a great read, they're just not quite it. Yep. Not what you want. Um, the, well, uh, or, yeah, or just not enough of what you yeah, want. Enough of what yeah, enough of what you want. Um, Self-testing, do you, uh, do you have much of that come across your desk? Oh, uh, yeah, lots, mm. lots. In fact, there's sort of been this little bit of an odd movement in L.A. where even actors, uh, I'm working on, if I'm working on a show that shoots out of town, I'm just putting the actors on tape um, and then sending it off for the director and producers to look at. Um, but I've had the, you know, I've talked through the role and the scenes and I know what they're looking for. Uh, but there are actors who will choose to just self-tape themselves at home rather than come in and go on tape with me. To, you know, I understand on some level because they can control it and they're sending the, the take that they like and their lighting and all of that stuff, but they're missing out on the information that I have that I could you know, redirect them or, mm. or give them insight into the role. But um, I think now, with, uh, again, in L.A., with so much stuff that shoots out of town, there's, you know... The, less production in LA than there used to be. Um, producers and directors are so much more used to self-tapes or and, and actors being on tape than they were even you know two years ago, mm. three years ago. Uh, and I think that's hugely helpful for, for actors who are not LA-based, that, mm. that even within LA, um, directors and producers are used to looking at people on tape. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, t t tons. Mm. I mean, and, and depending on the show, you know, I don't always have a casting director in New York and a casting director in London and a casting director in Australia. So those are all self-tapes coming in for me. Mm -hmm. um, so mm -hmm. it's... I've done, a number of, I've done some self-tape workshops through the foundation and, uh, and uh, famously uh, they showed the Hugh, Hugh Laurie self-tape for House. House, yeah. <laughs> it's on YouTube. And it was basically in a hotel room, badly lit, badly framed, um, and, and he was on the book like this, and he would just go, oh, 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 oh. and it was, it, was, it was like, I looked at it, I thought, how the hell did you get this job? Um, I'm assuming there was a kind of a minimum standard that must be achieved yes. in self-testing. Yes. Any advice on that? Level? Yeah, I, I mean, lighting and sound, I mean, again, you'd be amazed by some of the self-tapes we get where, like, you, you know, you see the silhouette of the person. Yeah. Um, or, you know, terribly harsh lighting, uh, where the sound, where, you know, the reader's super loud and you can't hear the actor, um, or noises and things outside. Um, a reader, your, your reader, it, as much as you can get a really good reader, 
helps. Uh, mm -hmm. There have been several times, you know, I, I, I can't even tell what the actor's doing because I'm so distracted by how bad the writer, uh, the reader is. Yeah. I mean, like, to the point when someone who's barely speaking English, you know, and you're like, really? You couldn't find somebody yeah. who at least could, um, you know, or somebody reading with their kid. Um, you know, I know you can't always control that, but as, as it, it shot, you know, again, shockingly, a choice of reader is, is really, really mm -hmm. key. But yeah, you want to you wanna be able to be seen, you want to be able to be heard. Um, you, you know, you don't want to go too far uh, with props and setting, you know. I mean, you, you can go bold. You know, I have people who uh, take themselves in their car and, you know, things like that, and, mm -hmm. you know. Um, it can be incredibly charming, and other times it can sort of be a little too much and mm -hmm. feel a little too not amateur, but you know maybe trying too hard. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you've given us some, some spectacular advice on, on casting yourself and so on. Quickly, uh, just about diversity. Um, uh, mercifully, we are now starting to see some serious moves and changing in the landscape of film and television and, uh, and, and with diversity, uh, which I'm sure has come across your desk, uh, in, ter in terms of casting. But I imagine this sets up, um, you know, it's, it's interesting dynamics for you as well, because you have the, the broadness with which you're now reaching, um, and also, of course, the increase in roles, hopefully, for women and women in the industry, which has been... You know, the, the, big, the big campaign. Are you seeing the, those changes as well? Oh, huge, yeah. huge. I mean, diversity is a, a huge, huge... Um, there's a you know, huge push in, in um, American television. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think quite as much in film as there should be, mm. uh, but but uh, been a huge surge in American TV, and it's, you know, fantastic. Mm. And I think just it's time to sort of show the world as it really is. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I, I think that's been tremendous. I, I would say the one area that uh, I, I still come up against um, pushback on are actors of disability. Mm -hmm. I think that's an area that still needs a lot of work. Yeah, as it does here. And, yeah. and, uh, and uh, the, the, your union is working on it, I promise you. Um, just maybe just a little bit of career advice to finish up if we could. Uh, moving from supporting roles to lead roles, do you think that there's a... I mean, is there a point where you should be saying, you know what, I, won't, I don't want to go to that role? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, and again, that's, you know, it's all... It, that's so personal, mm -hmm. you know? Um, yeah. I, I mean, you know, there you... You just have to decide where, where that line is. I mean, but there, you know, I know actors who are, you know, just happy to work, period. Um, but you know, you have to decide where that is for you and, mm. and be comfortable with it. Um, but I, you know, I think, I think you, there is time when you can say, you know, I'm not going to do those, you know, I've, I've got this body of work or, you know, actors who get to a point of saying, you know, I'm an offer only. That's a, that's a big thing, mm. you know, over in, in the States. Uh, you know, here's my body of work. I've played a lawyer 17 times. Yes. You know, you really need me to come in and read for a lawyer. You know, here's my, you know, and I and I think it's important then for your reel um, to, you know, A, be up to date and, and show, you know, your, the range of the kind of work you can do. But, yeah. you know, that's such a personal thing of deciding, you know, when, where that line is and, mm. and what you're willing to, to, you know, or, you know, I know actors who, who will do a smaller role on kind of the, the you know, the hit cool show, 
you know, and it, that they wouldn't do on a show that's, you know, not as, as cool. Yeah, right. Uh, but just for the opportunity to get to be on that show. Yeah, right. Right. And you also never know, you know, we've had, uh, I've worked on plenty of things where something started as a small role and, you know, they, the writers fell in love with that person or that, you know, that character suddenly, you know, went in a direction they hadn't planned. And often that's based on the actor's, you know, performance. So yeah, you, you also I, never know where it might lead. Certainly it's happened on my show with some, some small guest roles have actually been on auditions for roles that have become, in one case, that actors worked there for 20 years as a result of a <laughs> blatant <laughs> guest going. <laughs> no, not me. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm no, a colleague. Um, the, what are some of the characteristics you've noted about the people who have had long and established careers? Do you think there's a demeanour or a... I mean, we hear a lot about difficult actors, you know, that actors know. are difficult and, 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 and yet successful and so forth. It, it which bums me out. I mean, it, it, it you know, um, I, it, 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 it does disappoint me that bad, you know, bad behaviour uh, is tolerated and, and people are rewarded for it sometimes. Um, I I think the I think it's important to have perspective. I think it's important to have interests outside of the business, uh, relationships outside the business, um, to you know to keep a, a just a perspective on on life. I think it's important to have um, experiences and and travel and you know all of that that's going to inform you as an actor. I think mm. the more well round you are rounded you are as a person, is going to make you a better actor because you're going to have all these different sort of things to pull from for, for different characters. But, uh, you know, I think just a, a healthy sense of self, um, but also just, yeah, a, a life outside of what you do uh, is important. Um, and, and just be able to, you know, let go uh, and not be uh, so focused on, you know, the job mm. as much as the work. Mm. Mm. Fantastic. Um, I know it's time now to give the, uh, uh, one of the audience a chance to, to ask you questions. At the end, I'll ask if there's anything you'd like to add. So I'd like to throw it open, throw it open to the floor, and I'll do my best to make sure that people are uh, Well, and, and uh, just to add on to that last um, thing, I, I think also just to love what you do and, mm. and to just remember it, it, it should be fun. Mm. And when it's no longer fun, that maybe, you know, it's, it's time to sort of reevaluate or how to, you know, find that fun again. Because um, if it be, you know, it's hard enough. So if you're not having a good time doing it, you know, mm -hmm. don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I once got very cross with an actor who sat back and said, "I heard him go, I'm so fucking bored." I looked at him and thought, "Oh, just quit, man." You yeah, know? yeah. I mean, there's so many, you know, and and I guess that's you know, the bad behavior for me. It, it, that's just so hard because I know so many people who would, you know, kill for the opportunity. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, to not be gracious and grateful um, and to hear stories of, you know, uh, lead actors treating, you know, supporting actors badly or mm -hmm. the crew badly, it just, if you're it's my blood boil. I've just, just one last question if I may. <laughs> time of day. Now, um, the, the time of day you enter a casting room. Did, did, yes. I just I don't know how I don't know how directors and casting agents so forth maintain their enthusiasm for uh, seeing performers all day. All day I, I would worry about being the last person in the room. 
Uh, you know, it can work for or against you. I mean, you know, it, it, uh, I mean, I know actors who, I mean, I know casting people when they're working on a, a, a pilot, you know, series regulars, they don't want to bring in their best people in the first day or two um, because, you know, producers are afraid, you know, they're never going to kind of trust their instincts on those, you know, first couple of days and they're going to want to hear it read and, you know, and then you, you've got to sort of, you know, pace it out and bring them in, you know, just as they might, you know, once they sort of heard it a bunch of times, um, you know, but then there have been people who've come in that very first day and, mm. you know, they've set the bar and everyone else gets compared to that yeah. and nobody else ever matches that. So, you know, they go back. But uh, after lunch, right after lunch, I think is, is um, can sometimes work against you. Yeah. you get that sort of, the, yeah. uh, <laughs> that lull. The sugar lull. And, and that right before lunch too is also not very good. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> And it's hard, you know, in, in uh, again, in episodic TV, um, they're doing their scouting during the day. So a lot of times we're doing our casting sessions, you know, from 4 p.m. to 6.37 p.m., which, you know, can mm. be a, a, a bit tricky. Everyone's a little bit tired and really hard with kids because mm. that's, like, yeah. they're, they're sure, not their best. Yeah. But, um, yeah, there's, you know, now you just, again, if you've done, you know, you, you just got to... Do your work, trust your work, and you know you can't control that. Sure, I'll bore you with an old, old showbiz story. I, I auditioned for the Love Boat. Do you who remembers the Love Boat? Eh? And I was first in the room, and uh, the tape didn't work. Um, I got on really well with the director, but the tape didn't work. They couldn't catch me. I was on the bus before they could, could get me back, uh, and they auditioned all day, and then I got the job. Uh, because the director just remembered that he like got on with, he got on with me really well, and then he said to the guys in the states, "I'm sorry, I haven't got a tape for you, but I think he's the guy." Okay, yeah. I, got, I just got super lucky because I reckon if they'd seen the tape. <laughs> well, Jenny, we've taken you from the morning, well into the evening. You've given all of yourself today. Thank oh, you so great. much. I know everyone during the day was absolutely oh, blown away by, by what, what what they had before you. Uh, we really appreciate it and. Uh, and Zoe also tells me that uh, you, you, you expect to come back and do some more I work I would love this. to, yeah. Yeah, which if you'll have me. Absolutely. It was just wonderful. Please, please give it up for Jenny. It's been, it's been an absolute joy for me to, to talk to you and be in conversation with you. It's a great honour. Um, obviously, uh, you know, if I've, if I've missed anything, then uh, uh, we can uh, tell me. <laughs> and I'll see if, I, see if I can get an answer for you. Uh, guys, thanks very much. Thank you to the Foundation, of course, for these wonderful, wonderful events. I have to say that uh, the, the reason I, I love this little piece of plastic is because it gives me entree to, to uh, so many things as an actor. My equity card, and uh, I'd like to encourage, just remind you and encourage you that if you're not an equity member, uh, to come and join the club, because one of the big questions that was asked tonight is about wellness. And uh, uh, unfortunately, very recent, two very recent surveys talked about the fact that wellness in our industry is, is in, in crisis, basically, particularly amongst crew members, but also performers, rates of suicide, depression and anxiety are spectacularly higher than they are in the general community. And a lot of the reasons for that is, of course, because we, we need to have a collegiate atmosphere as much as possible to look after each other, to be able to debrief and deal with, with issues. Where Equity has created a wellness committee. I'd like to encourage you to keep an eye out for, for their postings and so forth in newsletters. Um, and 
and, and what, the what the committee is doing, because our, our brief is to try and make sure that people don't suffer less uh, for the, the craft they love. So keep an eye out for that. Thank you very much for coming and we'll see you soon. Media Super is the principal sponsor of the Equity Foundation. For more information about the work of the foundation, visit equityfoundation.org.au or follow Australian Actors' Equity on Facebook and Twitter.